episode 119 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on December 27th, 2022. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. show game update 7.2 showdown on runic is live one of its many features is the pvp revamp which introduced pvp seasons one and removed ranked pvp i'll share my experiences with the pvp season and discuss what went into making that decision to remove ranked and if it was the right thing to do And finally this week, as you know, the name of the podcast is The State of the Old Republic. I thought it would be a great time to discuss just that. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed. And cue the moron. Welcome to episode 119 of The State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have a great show lined up for you today. I'm back again And like previous times where I've taken a break, I hope to keep on cranking out new episodes for you moving forward. I'm not going to get into any details about my absence other than to say 2022 was filled with a lot of real life issues that I had to deal with. Things are good, and despite the lack of shows, I have played a great deal of Star Wars The Old Republic this year. I played the story, completed Galactic Seasons 2, done the Manon Daily area, worked on the gear grind, played with the combat styles, and a whole lot more. I am actively playing the game. I'm in a good place with Galactic Seasons 3, and I've had a chance to dive into game update 7.2, Showdown on Runic. I'm not going to cover everything that's in 7.2 today, but I do want to talk about the changes to PvP and my first foray into PvP Seasons 1. It was a cold and blustery day outside. The temperature read one degree Fahrenheit with wind chill taking it well below zero. My outdoor activities were canceled for the day. Snow tubing was on the menu. I thought to myself, if I can't be miserable outside, why not be miserable inside? So I decided to give PvP Seasons 1 a try and I queued up for an 8v8 Warzone on my Merc and I waited. One minute. Two minutes. Three minutes. For five minutes, the only PvP I participated in was the annual snowball fight happening on Viking Space Dock. Eventually, my queue popped, and then disaster number one. Listen up. These are the rules of hotball. New teams, frog dogs, and rotworms, chosen by random draw. Grab the ball, throw the ball. Get the ball over the opposing team's line any way you can, and your team gets a point. Perfect. Game calling and cheating are all encouraged. Let's play Hutball! Ugh. Hutball. I zoned in and quickly checked out my teammates. Specifically, I was looking at their guild tags. Eight players and eight different guild names. If there's a pre-made in this war zone, it ain't us. 
The match started and then disaster number two. I have a keyboard peripheral that I use on my laptop and it was not working. None of my keybinds were firing. I had no time to correct. I just had to fumble my way through this, which I did badly. We lost in a hurry and when all was said and done, no angry tells, no hate messages, not a word from anyone in general chat. Also, no progress worth mentioning for my PvP season. I went and got my device working and queued again. Ten seconds later, I got a pop. This time, Void Star. I accepted the queue, the loading screen came up, and then nothing. What's going on? I thought. Am I lagging? Why am I not entering this war zone? And then I remembered, oh yeah, spacebar. A few seconds later, I was in. The match began and I spent the first two minutes doing my best to mow down other players because we were the attackers, as in attack other players, right? Well, despite having some success killing other players, something didn't feel quite right. And I began to think that maybe killing players is not what attackers means. And then it came back to me. Place the explosives on one of the doors. Alert. Unauthorized bombs detected. Ah, yes, that's right. Blow up the doors. In other words, wait until players are so focused on killing each other and then sneak up to the door and boom, there she blows. As much as I like the fighting, I love it when you can contribute to the match by completing a war zone objective, which I was able to do. The fight to extend the bridge was fierce, but we managed it. Also, out of the corner of my eye, I managed to spot fellow content creator Zamzam on the opposing team. She was healing her butt off and impossible to kill. Our team was able to blow up the second door before our run timed out, and luckily for us, it was enough to, for my first season win. Sorry, Zam, if your team had seven more of you, I'm sure the outcome would have been different. By the way, Zamzam has written some great stuff about PvP over at her blog, MMO Bits. I encourage you to check it out. So the last time I stepped into a war zone was well before Legacy of the Sith, but I wanted to give PvP Seasons 1 a look. Eric Musco stated that one of the goals with the PvP revamp was to encourage more participation in PvP. And you know what? I'm in. I'll give this a go until the end and try and snag up as many of the rewards as I can muster. And the fact that I can work my way through the season without having to step into an arena is also a huge bonus. Bioware recognized that many of us prefer war zones over arenas, so they broke them out into two separate queues. And then, with a bit of irony, they gave us a brand new arena map. Still, it's nice to know that I never have to play it or any other arena unless I choose to. Just like my first two war zones, the new PvP season got off to a rough start. Someone at Bioware must have put Galt in charge of running it the first week, because after each match you could hear him saying, You win some, you lose some. You just lost some. Everybody's progress was a mess, but Bioware quickly turned it around. The first PvP season will run for 12 weeks. You need to earn 7,000 points to complete the rewards track, and you can earn a total of 1,000 points each week. So there is plenty of buffer to get to the end, even if you haven't started it yet. Now, as we all know, PvP seasons was only part of the PvP revamp. Coming up, I want to talk about the Bantha in the room, and that's the removal of ranked PvP. 
Hopefully you're enjoying this holiday season. There's a lot happening in the Old Republic right now. We just concluded a double XP event and there was a 50% off Pets and Companions sale that also just ended. But there's still some great bargains out there that you can take advantage of. From December 28th until January 4th, you can get 50% off toys and flares in the cartel market. Also, from now until January 1st, you can get 50% off all collection unlocks. This is a fantastic time to make those mounts, armor sets, weapons, crystals, and more available to all of your characters on your account. It's a great value, and you'll be glad you took advantage of it. There is a character transfer sale that is currently active and will run through January 9th. Character transfers normally cost 1,000 cartel coins, but now cost 500. This is a great way to merge your legacies together across servers as achievements, decorations, and strongholds transfer with your character. And yes, they also remain on the server you're transferring from. Check out EA Support Help for all the details on how transfers work. Life Day is running until January 10th, and the 11th anniversary is in full swing. Be sure to check out the anniversary vendor on the fleets and get your 11th anniversary decorations. This year features the great work from members of the community who won the second best view in SWOTOR contest. Also, as part of the 11th anniversary celebration, you can purchase the Coruscant and Cost City Strongholds for 11 credits each. The normal price for those is a whopping 5,000 credits. So if you don't have them, get them now because next year, when SWOTOR turns 12, the discounted price will increase to 12 credits. In true Star Wars fashion, this deal is getting worse all the time. And one more thing of note, on the public test server, aka PTS, there is a 64-bit version of Star Wars The Old Republic that you can go and check out right now. That's right, as part of the ongoing modernization efforts, Star Wars The Old Republic is moving to 64-bit. According to BioWare, here is why they're doing it. Star Wars The Old Republic was initially released in 32-bit on the game client in order to run on the widest variety of PCs available at the time. Decade later, 32-bit PCs are much less common. The last 32-bit PC processor was released in 2010. The first advantage of moving to 64-bit code is memory. With 64 bits, players can use more memory and aren't limited to 4 GB per process. This limit applies to the game client itself and restricts things like how much content we can place in each area. That ties into the limits that our tools have because they're based on the same code. SWOTOR has 10 years of content in it. Planets, characters, conversations, missions, systems, NPCs, etc. The migration over to 64-bit removes that limit and will help us streamline the process of building compelling content for years to come. Additionally, we are future-proofing. With each new generation of Windows PCs, 32-bit support is slowly disappearing. Moving to 64-bit will help keep the game running smoothly by making sure it is running in the preferred mode for the hardware. There you have it. SWOTOR is moving to 64-bit. Now, if you do check it out on the PTS, don't expect to notice a lot of change. The goal right now is just to make sure that the current game still works in 64-bit might be a while before the developers truly take advantage of this technology.
are in the middle of the holiday season, which for most holidays this time of year is all about giving. And while BioWare gave us a lot in 7.2, when it comes to ranked PvP, the approach was a lot like that of the Grinch descending upon Whoville on Christmas Eve. Ranked PvP is no more, and instead there is a new PvP season open to everyone. Ranked PvP was a key part of the game for almost a decade, so why remove it now? Game producer Eric Musco made a forum post explaining their rationale. One of the factors was the change to combat styles. Here's what he wrote. Our ranked leaderboards were built to pretty explicitly take your class into account, hence why it was organized and rewards even were based on class. That got thrown for a big loop in 7.0 as now you could have more than one class, now combat style, and change between them. This would have meant even just for the leaderboards to continue as is would have taken a large rewrite to how we handled player data. I don't want to say that creating the PvP season and rewards track was easy, but it was probably a lot more feasible for them to do that than to rewrite how they tabulated ranked leaderboards and distributed those rewards. I'm speculating that even though Bioware had done this for 14 seasons, it was still a bit wonky and time-consuming and imperfect. It was a headache for them to do this, and they wanted a fully automated system that could reliably and fairly reward players for their efforts in PvP. I think this, as much as anything, drove the decision to kill ranked PvP. Although gracefully ending a ranked season certainly wasn't the only headache Bioware wanted to remove. Eric went on to write, The leaderboards did not help in creating a positive environment. We absolutely can attribute quite a bit of this to the top 96 rewards as there was incentive for breaking into the top 3 of each class. However, even with that, the leaderboards were very frequently used as a method of harassment against other players. These behaviors led to violations of our terms of service, harassment and spam being directed to both players and support staff, and required a substantial amount of moderation and investigation. These all led to our decision to no longer support leaderboards. Now, with that said, we very much understand that being able to flex and compete is a cornerstone of PvP. That is what we are leaning into the battle record for, as a way for players to track and share their stats. There has been a lot of talk about toxicity and ranked PvP. I don't think the removal of ranked PvP will be a cure-all for bad behavior, unless everyone that played ranked quits the game, but it clearly removes a source of negativity that pervaded the game. Win trading, throwing matches, player harassment. I think the main hope is not so much that it will eliminate toxicity from the game, but that it will cut down on the amount of moderation and investigation that Bioware had to do related to rank PvP. The question now is, will it open up a new can of worms? In his post, Eric wrote about the competitive nature of PvP. PvP on any level is naturally competitive as implied in its own name, player versus player. Due to that competition, there are always going to be things that happen that aren't entirely positive, especially in situations where there are questions of teammates' skills or intentions or just some good old smack talking. We get it. However, our own supporting PvP systems and environment should do everything they can to encourage positive play. The revamp allows us the opportunity to invite more players to participate in PvP 
while removing sources that generated negative behaviors, such as the leaderboards and even PvP flags. Will this help? We'll see. Encouraging more players to participate in PvP minus the competitive trappings sounds good, but consider this. 8v8 Warzones were not ranked. Warzones will likely be preferred over arenas by most, including those who participated in ranked PvP. With this mixed population, the goals of everyone participating may not be the same. Some folks like to learn the rules of each Warzone and focus on the objectives needed to win. Others like to go in and kill or heal other players, either because that's what they enjoy, or they don't understand or don't care to understand the rules of the war zone. So trying to kill other players is simple. And there's a belief that killing another player or assisting with that endeavor can't be a bad thing. The bottom line is as long as players are clashing head to head, and if everyone isn't on the same page, there are going to be negative interactions. My guess is that Bioware is hoping that they'll see not an elimination, but a dramatic drop-off of the problems that came with ranked PvP. The bottom line is the decision to remove ranked PvP was as much about Bioware improving their own quality of life as it was to create a positive gaming environment for us. Both were goals, but I think it was a little more for them than it was for us. Now look, I never played ranked PvP. Heck, I hardly played PvP as it is. I'm not part of the group that feels like the rug was yanked out from under them. SWOTOR is 11 years old now. It's no longer chasing World of Warcraft and trying to match it feature for feature. Star Wars The Old Republic is not an esports MMO and will never try and become that. Still, I think removing ranked PvP is a risk. Yes, PvP still exists. And yes, there is a matchmaking system that's supposed to pit similarly skilled players against one another, and you can queue as a group. But that's not necessarily going to keep the ranked players interested and motivated. The gameplay is just one part of this. As you heard me say in my opening segment, the PvP Seasons reward track was enough to get me queuing for Warzones. I'm not sure that's enough motivation for the ranked players. So we'll have to see if the removal of ranked now leads to a thinning of the ranks in the Swotor player base. As I look towards 2023, I realize that we are at the end of the rainbow for what was promised for Legacy of the Sith. And as I sit at the rainbow's end, I wouldn't exactly say that we were handed a pot of gold. At least not all at once. I suspect that if I had fallen into a coma, much like my podcast, and woke up to start Legacy of the Sith with all of the content available through Showdown on Runic, other than missing out on Galactic Seasons 2 and most of Galactic Seasons 3, I'd be pretty happy with what I was getting from Legacy of the Sith. Legacy of the Sith as a whole feels like an expansion, but that's not how the content was delivered. It was trickled out over great periods of time and often with delays. This year we saw Charles Boyd leave the game to pursue new opportunities. A loss to be sure, but if you look at the 11 year history of the game, Charles is just one of many key players to leave the game. 
Log into SWOTOR and pull up the credits for the original game and take a look at the names as they scroll by. There is a long list of recognizable people who have long since departed. Daniel Erickson, James Olin, Damian Schubert, Drew Karpishin, Alexander Freed, Georg Zeller, and more. They were the original faces of the game. They were the ones writing the stories, creating the ops and flashpoints, building the cinematics, working on companions in combat, crew skills, legacy, and more. As these key players left, folks like Charles were given the opportunity to climb up the ladder. Now Charles is gone and there are new people poised to become the faces of this game. People leave, but the game endures. In fact, I think SWOTOR's most enduring quality is its ability to endure. And as I look at the game today, I see creative storytelling, evolving cinematics, and incredible world building. The game is in good hands. These updates are solid, but it's just not enough. In his 11th anniversary message, Keith Kanig wrote something that left me with a lot of hope for the game moving forward. He wrote, A bit of a sneak peek into the future. Eric and the design leads have been working together to build upon and in some areas rebuild internal processes and plans that impact the cadence of content. Take it from me that game development is more than putting pieces of code together and then pushing it live. Building, testing, and polishing take time, and the plans this team is putting together are coming to fruition, beginning with 7.2. We still have more to share on what all of this looks like early next year. The phrase that stands out to me is plans that impact the cadence of content. I can only hope that means more content more often. Now, a moment ago, you heard me say that Bioware isn't chasing World of Warcraft anymore, but Blizzard Entertainment released a 2023 roadmap for their game, and it looks amazing. It's a steady stream of content throughout all of 2023. So if I dare to issue a challenge to this team, it's this. To Eric Musco, Ashley Rule, Caitlin Sullivan-Kelly, Alan Copeland, George Smith, Keith Koenig, Jackie Coe, and the rest of the team, make it a goal to create an environment where you can deliver more story, more flashpoints, more worlds, more battlegrounds, and more operations. Make it a goal to deliver more content, more often. Make that your mantra. We don't know what Star Wars The Old Republic has in store for 2023, and in some ways that's a good thing because it gives us a chance to hope, gives us a chance to dream, and let our imaginations run wild that 2023 will be the best year yet for Star Wars The Old Republic. Let me just close things out by saying it's great to be back doing another podcast. There's a lot I want to talk about with the game And I hope to do that over the coming weeks. For what it's worth, I upgraded some of my gear this year so I can take the podcast on the road. When I'm away from home, I should have the capability to record and publish the show. So happy holidays to you. Happy New Year to you. And don't be surprised if I sneak another episode to you next week. Thank you so much for listening. And that's the state of the Old Republic for today. Let me cut in the sublight engines and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 119 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on Buzzsprout and iTunes and wherever else you find your podcasts. 
can also listen to the show directly from the show's site, which is SOTORpodcast.com. And there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SOTORpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SOTORpodcast or send me a direct message. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Until next time, remember the Sith code, cake is a lie.